What's going on, everyone, and welcome to the last hit. Welcome to technically episode eight, episode seven sort of happened. It happened for us. It happened for me and Lyric and for Emily who joined us. Uh, but there were recording issues, so there's just a few clips of that, and Lyric isn't a part of it uh, because his computer exploded partway through the episode. So that's a thing that happened. Welcome to episode eight. Anyway, um, I'm joined once again by technical genius Lyric himself, who hopefully won't exploit his PC this time. And we're also joined by very special guest, G2 Nelson. Sir, welcome to the show. For anyone that doesn't know Nelson, um, he's a he's been a coach in League of Legends since 2012, mostly working in the, the Southeast Asian region, the LMS, or now, now PCS, uh, but also worked in Brazil, worked in China for LNG notably, and now working for G2. Sir, how are you doing, mate? Welcome to the show. How how is uh, how is G2 treating you? Because it's been a few months since you joined now. How are you enjoying life over in Europe? Yeah, I mean, I've joined for a while, but I just got to Berlin, you know, maybe a week ago, a week or so ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Because the visa process took forever, I guess. Mm-hmm. How's, how's Berlin? How's life in on the other side of it's, the world? Is, is it, do, you, do you like Berlin? Normal. It's not as good as Shanghai. Oh, wow. Fighting words. But hey, on, on an LPL what? podcast, we take that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, can, I am genuinely curious. Can you tell me, like, the what's the yeah. difference? What, it, what it, makes it's just it that in Shanghai, you're, like, spoiled for choice, especially for delivery, right? Like, I can have sushi in, at 3 a.m. Like, over here, I can only have pizza or burger. <laughs> <laughs> the Western yeah, I, living. I mean, you're not wrong. And doner kebab. Yeah, you definitely and, get and, doner and kebabs, um, but I wish I had more options. Yeah, you're not wrong though. I I've definitely felt the same feelings in, in in Shanghai and Las Vegas are the only two places that I've been that have like just 24 hour whatever you want. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You're definitely right there. Let's talk LPL though, because we've got a a verified LPL coach on the podcast with us today. Um. So Nelson, we're going to talk about a few topics across the course of today. But I think we should just start with general state of LPL uh, and, and where you think teams are right now. Um, and I'm just going to hit you with, with <laughs> one of the kind of headline questions to start off the conversation. In your mind, Nelson, who is the strongest LPL team right now? Because I think that there are a lot of contenders that are in the conversation, like EDG, FBX, uh, and then the, even RNG could be in the conversation that there's an outside chance you could say someone like top esports, but I think that one's tenuous these days. Like, who are you leaning towards? Right I think now? I think right now the strongest team is probably FPX. Like from what I heard, I think they're probably the strongest team right now. Mm-hmm. The second strongest, I guess, would be like RNG, because as as far as I know, the other teams are not doing so well, or maybe they have some issues amongst the team and. For teams like WE, I just don't trust that lineup, you know. Yeah. So I, I I guess you know we we can do a weird round. I think we can ignore the big names because I find that really interesting. So what what about the names on WE specifically? Is it you not trust? Is like is like Shanks coming back in because I think Shanks is a name a lot of us haven't trusted. Is it their bottom lane because their bottom lane is historically had problems? I think Bayshong Bay and Breathe can't be an issue in your mind, right? Yeah, uh, and then in my mind it's. Mainly their mid lane and, and bot lane. For the bot lane, it's just a flip whether they get a hit or not in lane, or even go even, right? 
And for mid lane, mm -hmm. like in my mind, I thought Mo would be a perfect fit, but he can't even get into a starting roster as, as it seems, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think I they're think... just kind of lucky last week to, to beat EDG or this week, no? Yeah. I, I think they're just kind of lucky to beat EDG just when EDG has, has like some issues yeah. with their own roster as well. Yeah. I mean, that. let's just quickly hit on that while while the topic's brought up. Clear Love comes back, uh, gets immediately smashed into the floor. Um, and then and then Junja plays game number two as well. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I don't know if I missed the boat on this, but I, where, what happened to JJ? Why, <laughs> I feel like this is a if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of situation. EDG looked so good. With JJ on the roster, I'm I'm very surprised to see Clearlove brought in. We were told it was a 99% chance of Clearlove starting at the start of this split. That didn't happen. And then we get to the point where they've already qualified for playoffs. They're looking for first seed, and suddenly Clearlove is brought into the roster. That that was a bit of a head scratcher for me. I th do you guys? Uh, um... I feel like sorry, go on. I feel like it's one of those things, right? Because I mean, EDG is one of the teams I you know sort of talk to. And from what I understand, right, the beginning of the year, Clearlove apparently was, like, screaming the roster. Clearlove was in talks to play at some points, and it feels like it was one of the things that was maybe not promised to him, but told, like, hey, you know, you're going to switch to a player. You're going to get a chance to play on the roster at some point. And maybe this just feeling like the time to to give him that chance. It feels weird to me that they wouldn't just decide to do it in the next matchup because their next matchup is against Victory 5. And it's like, hey, if there's a team to maybe, like, kind of test the waters against, it is them. And... Especially for V5, it feels like their jungler is the best part of the roster. So if that guy completely dismantles Clear Love, you know, there's just, you know, there's there's just no hope at all. I think the Junja one is more surprising to me because Junja is a player that I think is kind of interesting in the fact that I don't know if he's still top of Korean Challenger, but right, he was always top of Korean Challenger. He was like so young, had almost no experience coming on to EDG. He wasn't really any worse than JJ last year when he would play. And the fact that he came in and also really had no impact, and I, from what I understand from at least looking at his solo queue games, he has been playing a ton of solo queue lately, which would make you think he hasn't been screaming with the team that much because of the hours he's playing solo queue. So to me, it's just really weird. It's just really strange. It, like, it seems like EDG are grasping for straws when, like you said, Munch, it didn't feel like they really needed to. And I think EDG is probably the, most, the team I'm most interested in to get your thoughts on, Nelson, just for the fact that Anytime EDG plays and Flandre pops off, I make a reference to you on cast. It's like you are the one person when Flandre <laughs> pops off, it feels like you have to shout out. I mean, I feel like EDG, even in the past, right? Like last year when Jin, Jinja was playing, I think he did, he was okay. But as far as I know, like in scrims, he was like extremely good. He, was, he performed extremely well. It's just that he might have some stage or nerve issues, or maybe he just chokes on stage, right? Mm. And for, for this split, specifically Summer, I heard like the recent few weeks, they were splitting time between junglers, and I guess they wanted to test it out against a real opponent. And I, I guess it didn't work out, but I'm not surprised they tried it out, because I've always felt that JJ was the weakest point on EDG, even in spring, right? Because I, yeah. at least from what I saw, he single-handedly lost them the like, second, third place match. I think he was the main reason why they didn't go to the finals, you know. Yeah, it definitely feels like he was the... I mean, it's pretty easy, I think, to say that he was the... he's was he been the weakest member of the team because when you look at the CDG roster, it is so, 
stacked in the other roles. I do want to talk specifically about Flandre mm -hmm. as well and, and ask your opinion here, Nelson, of specifically Flandre, because I feel like there's, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, there's this huge narrative around Flandre where he's almost like the Marmite of players, which for anyone that doesn't know Marmite, that might be a very British reference. I'm not sure. It is. Basically, it's like a condiment. You can have I, I know what it's it like is. It's like Vegemite yeah. in Australia. Yeah, basically some people really, really love it. Some people really, really hate it. It's like very polarizing. Um, Flandre feels like that for me with top lane. A lot of people think he's super overrated and terrible. And a lot of people think he's like the best thing to ever happen to top lane. So, Nelson, can you give us your pitch on why Flandre is a great player? What sets him apart from other top lanes? Okay, so, so I mean, uh, if we remove top lane from the equation and we look at the core of EDG, it is <laughs> the same from 2021 and 2020, you know? Like, Mako, Scout, mm. and then you just insert the jungler, JJ, uh, and insert the AD. And when those players were in charge of, like, shot-calling the game, they couldn't... It, it was a mess. Like EDG in 2020 was a mess. It doesn't matter if it was spring or summer, they played extremely badly. And with the addition of Flandre, who you might not say is like a mechanical like monster in the top lane, but he is like the main person in charge of shot calling. He's able to shot call for like throughout the game for every single role. I think like that's what makes him good, especially for EDG. Okay, so very much on the 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 leader side of things within the team and, and making a lot of those decisions that's good to hear uh, on a bit more context on on why he's such a great player i, I do um, i do want to ask about i, sorry, say, on, I do feel on. like he's also just very unfairly criticized to go along with that and i remember the the series specifically that stands on my mind i can't remember who it's against actually but i remember he had he had that jace game and actually oh. nelson you tweeted after that I jace game. I remember it was like yeah right it was like he, he oh it was against rng must have been against rng yep. got, got, got completely thrown under the bus thing was maybe the last game of the series or game three something along those lines and he was doing almost everything he could by himself like like perfectly like without his team giving him any resources doing a ton of damage his like, his, like accelerate shock blasts were perfect like when he was moving on the map was great and he got single-handedly blamed for that series. And it's like, guys, I I truly don't understand what Flandre could have done differently in this scenario when EDG play like this. And yeah, Nelson, that was when you put out that tweet of like, right, most most useful 0-6 Jace I've ever seen or something like that. <laughs> like like that game specifically, I remember, right? Because I think that game was, oh, you can call it team gap or like support gap. It's basically the way which EDG plays with the support. I don't think it's correct. Which, which is why Flandre just keeps falling behind over and over again. And it doesn't matter what the matchup is, because if you're playing 4v1 or 4v2 top lane, you can't play the game. I, yeah. And I think that's... And EDG is still, like, didn't fix that issue yet. Yeah. EDG def, EDG is really weird, right? Because they're one of the only teams that... I mean, their, their duo proximity bot lane is, like, super high. Like, the highest in league by far. Mako really doesn't move on the map all that much at all. Definitely never goes top, you know? And it seems like ED the only thing I can think of that Mako does in very rare scenarios is EDG are actually one of the only teams that also make that, that play that G2 have always made over the years where it's like, okay, JJ ganks from top side and Mako will come from bot and three-man gank mid. But even that, not all too often. It's actually really surprising. And that I find that interesting is where would you rate Mako among LPL supports right now? I mean, I assume people like Iwandi must be high on your list because since you were an LNG coach, I know people like Dagda, you know, think the world of Iwandi. 
Ming, I'm sure, is, you know, like, number one. <laughs> he's, he's furious. I wonder he, he was subbed, the, by the, the way. He's the Jenna in what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess the question would be, like, like so, so where would you rate Mako? Because there's some people, like, like Dom is someone who I think rates Mako extremely highly just based off, like, the, the laning prowess that EDG Spotlight has and, like, the impact they have, like, on the map later in game and stuff like that. But Mako, it feels like for pretty much the past two years, has never had that impact on the map that players like Ming have had or, like, Shousey when Eastar were really popping off or uh, who's who's another good supporter? Like, Sword Art when he was in the league, you know? So I, I guess where would you rate Mako right now in terms of supports in LPL? I mean, I would still put him, like, top five, right? Because his laning is still very good. And I think, like, what you mentioned about, especially about Ming, I think it's more this split because, like, Xiaohu is in the top lane right now. And I think like RNG showed the world like how to play towards the top lane, this like in in spring you know in spring and and at MSI, and I feel like even though like everyone can see what RNG does like EDG have yet to catch up. I don't think it's like a support thing. I think it's more like overall the the team's like agreement on how to play the game or their idea on how to play macro, and it seems like for EDG it doesn't involve support going to top lane you know. And and I'm sure if you heard like any of the mic checks in Chinese, I mean they are kind of memeing on stage, right? But they talk they talked about like two strategies they have. Like first first strategy is like bot lane will carry. The second strategy is we wait for bot lane to carry. <laughs> I mean like when you, when you can buy from the roster, I I can understand it. Um, I so I I am curious about something you just said there though that. The RNG showed the world this playthrough top style. Do you believe that that is going to be something that everyone now just copies? Do you think like when we come to Worlds, that is going to be the meta and whoever's the best of that style wins the tournament? Or, or am I reading too much into that style? Oh, no, I think there is a, a sequence, like a sequence of plays or a sequence of map states where the support needs to be on top lane, either to help defend a dive or to help them or to help your top laner dive, the enemy top laner, so that you can snowball even harder, right? It's just that EDG just doesn't do it at all. They just focus everything on the bot side of the map, even though at that, maybe at a certain period of time, Mako doesn't have to be bot side, you know? I think that's their biggest issue right now. And for teams who do have a stronger top laner, they're just going to abuse EDG until they manage to fix this issue. Okay, something to look out for in playoffs. That's that's really good. Thank you very much for the for the insight. Um, I do want to move on from EDG slightly though, and I'm I want to turn to focus on the team that is currently on your shirt. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Nelson was the coach for LNG. Um, so I think it's only fair that we talk a little bit about LNG. What do you reckon of the new roster of this squad? You know, they're nine and four right now. They started off with a ridiculous flawless streak at the start of the split. Um, were you convinced by this team? Do you still think that this team is going to do well when it comes to playoffs? Because it feels like the general feeling towards LNG has uh, dropped significantly in, in confidence. I feel like a lot of the analysts these days are not really backing LNG anymore. How do you feel about the roster? I've watched a lot of the games that LNG played. I've talked I've talked to the, the players and coaches. Right? I'm still up, like on very good terms with them. And I, I think like the reason why they had such a good start is in the summer was because they had the best idea on how to draft. Like, like, le like legitimately, I thought 
I think they were the best drafting team for like two or three weeks in summer, the first two three weeks. But afterwards, when teams are like more used to playing on stage, get and get get back into the groove of like scrimming and practicing, I think there there are a lot of things which they are kind of lacking. Like firstly, they are falling behind in terms of drafting. Where I remember against Suning, where they the enemy first picked six and they chose Aphelios, you know, which didn't make sense. And secondly, they are not playing the map well anymore. They don't know how to push out side lanes at the correct time so that they can get dragons like more easily. And what you'll notice is like almost every single game is a flip at dragon and usually LNG is like late to the dragon contest. Yeah, and I, I feel like one thing that stands out to me is what you're saying about you know them coming in with a really good idea of draft. If I remember correctly, they were the first team to pull out Diana in the LPL. They had like really interesting strats too because they they pulled out the yeah. Diana, Diana Yasuo. Yasuo. So. That that's what they were doing. Even off meta picks that didn't end up working out, I think showed that LNG had like depth to their pools. We saw Tarzan pull out things like the Echo. We saw Icon be one of the first people to consistently bring out the the Lee Sin. So it's really interesting to me how quickly they started to get. I don't want to say figured out, right? But how quickly like other teams started outpacing them in terms of how they were drafting, like you were talking about with like the, the Ziggs affiliates recently. And we're even seeing a lot of it seems doubt come into their roster, right? We saw them start slipping out their bottom lane recently. Even today, they ended up bringing in Makuya for a game, which I think is, has been a bit questionable. And they ended up taking the series once they brought Ali in once again today. So you can definitely tell that LNG <laughs> Like going back to your original question, much about like Nelson's confidence in the team, you can even see LG don't have a ton of confidence in what they're doing right now, right? In terms of in sure. terms of how they're playing the game, and I do even feel like the meta is getting into like further away from a place where at least I would theoretically think LNG would be in a good place because LNG aren't one of these teams that's gonna like play super aggressive in the early game and like tr like you know they're gonna be drafting to win all their lanes and and moving that pressure around to different lanes and and flipping the early game. I feel like Tarzan definitely would thrive more in a jungle meta that was Diana, Rumble, and all those other champions that are just super happy to farm up and become mid and late game teamfight monsters. I feel like the further we get uh, from Icons champions, you know, like with things like Akali and all these things going to slowly start falling out of the meta as we can see with these nerfs, then LNG is probably just going to get harder and harder as time goes on. So... LNG is interesting to me because they're a team that I don't think analysts are losing faith in. I feel like everyone was always skeptical of them from the very beginning and none of us trusted them at all. But Nelson, do you still think this is a team that has like a, a decent shot at making it to Worlds? The, the thing is, I, I think with the roster they can, but with the level of like macro they're showing, I don't think they can, right? And it could be an issue with maybe players not agreeing on the way to play or maybe it's the coaching stuff I'm not sure because their mistakes have have been the same throughout the entire season and it has never changed they just don't know how to arrive into the into the bottom side river before the enemy team and if they didn't fix it after you know, seven months then I'm not sure how they can fix it for the next in the next one yeah. one or two weeks I, I guess I also have a question about their, their bot lane. Uh, did, did you work with their uh, sub bot lane at all when you were there? Like the guys oh. on the academy team, LP and Kadaya? I worked with Kadaya, but not LP. Because hmm. I'm wondering, you know, you're talking about like their idea of how to play the game. And like, 
I'm wondering who's calling for this roster, right? I would, I know Tarzan's Chinese apparently isn't like as bad as you would expect it to be for him just coming straight to China. Apparently, you know, worked really hard on it. I know you had some experience, uh, like bringing Tarzan into the team, but I guess like with this roster, like with players like Tarzan or or Iwandi or now Kadaya coming in, like what? Who who is the the captain of this team? I think right now the players who have the most idea on how to play is is light. I, th I think he is the best, I mean, other than Tarzan, right? But Tarzan, his Chinese isn't as good to communicate everything perfectly. I think Light is the one which, is, which knows how to play the game and knows what he wants, at least for himself. But I think, but there was also a week where he was like swapped out, right? And as far as I know, it's also because like they had such a good start and their initial goal was, of course, like, let's try to make playoffs with the roster. But suddenly they're like 7-0. And the players, at least from what I know, the players felt a lot of pressure, you know? Because like, suddenly they're like number one in LPL. And, th and those players are actually pretty young. Like, like Iwandi is like their first, I would say no, their second real split in LPL. Even though they have been like substitutes for so long. So it's almost like they're at that point you're playing to try and maintain the streak as opposed to just playing your game, right? And yeah, it could be. Yeah. I guess it it kind of gets in your head. And also right? probably because every other team is just improving at a faster rate compared to them. Hmm. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a surprisingly tough position to start in, in first place. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> there's more negatives to that than than positives, right? Because when when you're in the middle of the pack, the expectations aren't that high. You can just keep improving week on week. When you're at the top of the table, it's uh, there. You can only go down. You can't, like standings wise, and in terms of the fans' view of the team, you can't get better than you currently are. Like you're at the top of the table, so feels like there's uh, there's only negatives at the start of the split to being that high up in the standings. Um, let's talk about a couple of the other teams uh, in the LPL before we let we'll change the conversation to a more global topic and, and talk power. Um, between regions and things like that. I am curious about some of the rosters in the middle of the table on, on what your takes are, Nelson, because we've got teams like Top Esports, RNG, Sooning, BLG, these teams that it feels like we've seen different versions of these teams week on week. Uh, like, are, Do any of these teams stand out to you as teams that are going to skyrocket? I feel like RNG is kind of a, a shoo-in to, to probably make top four honestly at this point but teams like Sooning, blg jdg top esports do any of these teams stand out to you as uh, like diamonds in the rough that that you expect to really improve towards the end and, and do well in playoffs or are they not really as convincing as, as some of the top names i think rng is probably the most obvious one i think they have found like their way to win and from what i see they're probably in my mind like the second favorites to win the split behind fun plus and I guess top top esports as well, right? Because with the roster they have, you can like never count them out. Especially in LPL, where the domestic matchups basically they don't always go the way they should because the teams know each yeah. other like too well. Like like not none of the Chinese teams are gonna play like, yeah, I'm just gonna play to skill and play for the macro game only. Com like it is definitely different from worlds yeah. for sure. Yeah, it does feel. I think top esports is an especially good example of that, right? Because even when they draft scaling, 
they don't always just uh, they don't always wait maybe as long as they needed to before going for plays and just flip Baron at 20 minutes and see what happens. <laughs> I feel like there's quite a few teams in the LPL that are more than happy to go for that. I will say, though, it does feel like the meta is slowing down across the course of this split. It feels like games are going longer more recently, and maybe the more patient teams could be rewarded in the near future when it comes to that. I mean, do you agree with that? Do you think things are going to continue to slow down? Because especially with nerfs to things like Akali in the mid lane, it does feel like the the pool of assassins is getting weaker for mid lane and, and the pool of these of skirmishers can could potentially fall off. I mean, I think it's not, it doesn't, I mean, of course, there there wouldn't be any Akali anymore, but it's going to be replaced by Irelia. And then, and you know for sure there's, there True. are like so many Irelia one tricks in, in the LPL. So it could be, it could be Brief, it could be Bin, it could be Ala, it could be Knight. They're all like insane on Irelia. So I, I think I, it's I, going to be the next contested pick. For solo queue, I'm terrified, but for from a spectator's perspective, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see people like Knight just taking over games of the rally. Sorry, go I on, also though. feel like just the idea of like the game slowing down is something that like, I, I don't agree with or can't really wrap my mind around that much. Like I think, sure, champions like Ziggs are strong, and Ziggs provides like a ton of wave clear and makes it hard to close, but I still feel like whenever champions like this become strong, or, like, right, there should still be ways to draft or, like, find early game advantages or mid-game advantages and, and still be able to to get to places where you could close out the game efficiently, right? So I can't really imagine the game getting past the whole, like, average of 30 to 35 minutes. Like, like wherever we're at in that equation right now, we're probably, like, 32-point-something-something. Something. So I, I feel like we've just evolved to a point of League of Legends and, like, macro and how, how teams are thinking about the game to where it's not about, like, fast or slow, right? It's about... Well, with the champions I have, like, am I playing out the correct like windows on the map to be able to close out the game? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, and we'll... also because, like, I mean, it's the same meta, or it's a similar meta com compared to last year as well. You're playing for Drakes, and teams are getting better and better, especially in LPL, like how to play around the Drakes, even if enemy has have the better scaling, right? And then, it, and then it's it's just a flip because if the game gives you a cloud soul, then tough luck but any other drake and can help you turn a team fight even though your team comp might not be as good it it is actually so insane isn't it how like i i love when you see the reddit posts and people on twitter saying hey cloud soul's actually pretty good guys <laughs> it's like yeah it's not a bad thing to have a cloud soul it's just in comparison to like an infernal soul or a mountain soul or an ocean soul it's it's just nothing bit of movement speed after your ult it just yeah i mean i, I have like... the same same idea right like like every game we play on stage at least in g2 when i see a close i'm like oh my goodness how do i win now there was there was one mic check that rng released as well and i remember Mi ming and shahu were specifically talking about it was at like first drake or something about like their win conditions they're like okay well they specifically differentiated if it turns out being Cloud Soul, we're going to play like this. And if it's not Cloud Soul, we're going to, you know, fight for Drakes and do the opposite. It's like, dude, even teams, even teams and players think like this, guys. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like like uh, last year, the, the first person who told me about it was uh, Sword Art. He's like, yeah, don't waste time. If the third and fourth Drakes are Cloud, you just ignore. You just play for sights, play for goal. Because it, it's just bait. And I think like the next level, which... The teams are thinking about is that if Cloud Soul is it, if Cloud Drake is one of the first two dragons, 
they will fight for it because it means that the soul will be something useful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that side of things. Is if, if it is a early cloud, then it means that drakes are inherently the rest yeah, of the it is going to be more useful than the cloud. Thinking about it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. That's just, I I never thought about that side of this conversation. Yeah, that's an interesting take. Um, I do want to move the conversation on to talking about um, kind of the the more global conversation of League of Legends because obviously you're a coach that has been to many many regions at this point. Um, and I wanted to ask you a question that we asked to to Jensen Go who was on a couple of weeks ago as well, and ask you the coaching differences that you've seen in the different regions. So like when we're talking about brazil or pcs or or lpl comparatively to a region like europe how do things differ between the way that the team interacts the way that you operate as a coach like do you feel like your style has developed over the years do you feel like it's just a matter of you have to change your style depending on the region that you're in like how how do the styles differ between the different regions i wouldn't say it's like style it's just the players react differently right i think the players in Asia, they think more, or, or the way they judge things is more logical, like slightly more logical. And the players, like in English speaking regions, they they tend to use like emotions to make judgment calls, you know, which is not a very good thing. And it's something which coaches have to deal with or have to solve. Mm. But in terms of like gameplay, I think. The thing is, the coaches in LPL, it could be like, you know, there are like 17 teams, right? So all the coaches there, they will have more experience compared to any other coach in Europe or NA. Because I mean, I'm, I'm in G2 and like Grabs is the head coach, right? So he has been to one World Finals, one MSI Finals and like one World Sem, two World Semis, right? So, so basically, how many tournaments is that? Like one, two... I would say like four, four international tournaments. So he's there mm-hmm. for four, four tournaments and each tournament, he, he'll probably scrim for around like two weeks each. So so he has like eight weeks of high level scrim, like knowledge or data in his mind. But if you're from LPL or LCK, you have that every single day. I think that's the yeah. biggest difference. Right. I mean, I think that even goes back to like people like us, even even coming from like a region like LMS where you get to scrim LPL and you get to scrim LCK and you get to scrim CK. It's it's kind of more, I, I guess just the word is valuable. There's no way to beat around yeah. the bush. You, get, you have more valuable like scrim experience and like learning from teams and like your players experience. And it, it's all very, yeah, it's very hard. It seems like for Western coaches to be able to catch maybe not catch up but get the same experience but i like that we're talking about scrims because you know much on this show we never get to talk about like hot topics in the community but today we do because i saw nelson tweet today and this has been something that's been discussed before many times and not something that actually gets talked about all too much and it's a topic of player burnout and something that's really interesting right because Mm. you have like the whole western mentality of it or i I won't even say western mentality versus eastern uh it's pretty much i agree with how, how you framed it earlier nelson that it's like balance is good right it seems like the eastern representation of balance and the western representation of balance are very different compared to you know eastern regions which typically do just like grind more games play way more hours i think both of us are very used to like 
the 12 plus hour work days that, you know, working at LMS, working at LPL as compared to the West, which is very much like eight hour work days, get in your gym, get in your sleep and, and all that stuff. So again, you've already put out your, your stance publicly, but, but so what's your opinion on this whole topic of player burnout? I mean, I mean, for sure, it's like a cultural issue, right? Between the Asian and European European players. It's just that I don't, I think, I don't think like this player burnout is a real thing unless you're one of the top teams, right? So in my mind, the only team who is allowed to say it is like G2 because they're the one who's winning every split in the past, like the G2 of all with perks, right? I think they're the only one who can say it because they legitimately had no break. But every other team, you're you're out in groups, so I don't think burnout is an issue. Because groups is like there there's like so many more weeks before the finals, anyways. So you so you have an extra break compared to teams which reach the finals. I just find this whole argument that I see is again, it's usually coming from from people either Western media or Western teams. So interesting because it's like. I guess I just don't understand the solution they want because it seems like the opinion is players should not be playing for 15 hours a day, right? They shouldn't be scrimming and then going to solo queue and et cetera. But it's like, again, so what's what's your solution to that? Because I don't feel like forcing players to not play 15 hours a day, one, is like actually possible at all because then you'd have to force them to live in a team environment and all this stuff. You're going to find them if they play more. There's like a ton of issues there. Second, should you yeah. force players to not play more if they want to play more? Like if someone like Michael Jordan wanted to, you know, practice playing basketball every day, are you really going to tell that guy not to, you know, I feel like it doesn't really make sense morally or for your team's success. And then if you look at it and you say that's not your your solution is like forcing them just not to require them to play 15 hours a day, I feel like people do not understand like East Asian culture because that's not a that's not an esports thing. That's not a League of Legends thing. You look at you look at their work lives. You look at like Japan, Korea, China, like all those regions. You're working those 15 hour days in your normal jobs. You're going to your office. You're working overtime for for no money and that's that translates into esports into league of legends right sure your team's not going to require you to play 15 hours a day but you're going to do it because you want to be the best you want to you'd rather have a great career even if it only lasts three years rather than having a mediocre career for like five and then moving on and doing nothing right so i i guess that's my big thing is like what what is the solution from from like the western side of the argument yeah i mean i'm not the person to give you an answer because <laughs> i, I don't say <laughs> yeah, because I think they don't have an answer. Like much of both, it's your time to step up. No, no, it's like the only thing they have is an outlier, right? Which was the G two of last year. Yeah, but but it's an yeah. outlier, and every other year, but it's it... a Korean team and it's a Chinese team. So so, if if you think you are so smart and you have a better solution, then why don't you show me? But right now, even though there are so many people who are against it, I didn't see any answer. And I think the the crazy thing as well is like the one example that you have is is G two right, but Caps as a player is one that is notorious for just spamming the crap out of the game, like in all of his free time, just playing tons of League of Legends. Like I remember, especially when he first joined Fnatic, that was one of the things that we heard in player interviews, in in conversations with the players, not even from himself, from his teammates, saying like, yeah, like sometimes he doesn't even want to come out with the team for like you know bonding exercises like bowling and stuff because he's busy he just wants to play solo he just wants to play all the time like uh, yeah at the end of the day more hours equals better generally speaking that that's a huge generalization but i think a key thing as well is that on the topic of like 
trying to regiment this, right? Like, like let's say for the sake of argument that Riot was to, to try and influence this in some way. It's an arms race, right? If one team is practicing 15 hours a day and the others aren't, that team has a massive advantage. So ultimately, even if Riot was, try would, was to stipulate this in some way, teams would find a way around the stipulation. Like... There is so much at stake. All of these teams desperately want to win. Like, there's no universe where teams don't try absolutely everything that they can to to take the trophy home at the end of the day. So, yeah. I don't know. It it seems like a bit of a bit of a flawed and argument. I, to I me. also I also need to throw in the caveat. Luckily, Munchables, not enough people watch us to where like we can be threatened to being canceled for for saying we're proponents of like twenty hour work days and no breaks. But it's like right. I, I feel like the important thing here is that <laughs> down with you. <laughs> I feel like the important thing is that I feel like teams and players should be like allowed to take the approach they want. You shouldn't be criticized if you yeah, want to if you want to like have a three scrim block day and then play like five or six solo queue games until five a.m. and then your scrim blocks at twelve. And you know, like these players should be able to put in the amount of effort that they find necessary to get the amount of results they want, right? So whether that's a Western team like do having their eight hour workday and they're fine with those results, or that's LPL and LCK who are working ridiculous schedules that realistically after a few years will cause them to decline. But Hey, if they can reach those results in those few years, I honestly feel like that's all that matters. Right. At the end of the day, you'd rather be someone who held the world championship, maybe the one or two years you were good rather than someone who was fifth place in whatever region for like six years. I mean, can you even name me a player who, who has achieved like what Dwayne B has done where, he has been great every almost every split for like what four or five years, like in the West. I, I don't think so. Dude, look there at Shao, who especially look, look oh, yeah, how long Shao, who's been great. Shao's been great since like 20, yeah. 2016. <laughs> and he's only he's only like he's not even at his at his peak yet, right? He's not even at his prime. It's crazy. Yeah, I guess the only players I could think of to even put in the conversation would be like. Bjergsen, Reckless, <laughs> but even they have had had <laughs> some bad splits, <laughs> right? No, no. Look, 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 look. I'm saying domestically. I'm saying domestically. I'm I mean, saying domestically. Like, if, um, I mean, Forge can do what Bjergsen did. Forge okay. did better. Okay. Like you, you've entered the uh, lyric. Lyric is notorious on, on this podcast for struggling to compliment Forge. You know, last episode. We had Emily on, and I actually managed to gain a legitimate compliment from Forge for Forge from Lyric. Like, on camera, it was recording everything, and then Lyric's recording of that episode just happens to corrupt. I'm just saying <laughs> okay. that there's, a, there's a correlation. Uh, he didn't, he didn't want that to be I'm just saying I'm a notorious anti-Forge fan, but actually, that's what makes it better about what Nelson said, because I actually took it that Nelson was flaming Forge even harder by saying he could do what Bjergsen did, you know? goes both ways <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure that's what he wants to i don't think there's another way to take it to be honest okay um so so let's talk let's talk um international because uh, i think that's the that's the juicy topic right um, you're working in lec how are you feeling about lec regional strength versus like lck versus lpl even versus na if you want to dabble in that but i have a feeling that you're not a massive proponent for NA international success. Yeah, I mean, any, uh, based on the Bjergsen comments, and he just dies at crap. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, dude, I've seen I've seen you and Dom's live views of LCS. I, I know you watch. Yeah, I'm a big fan of a uh, C9 Crabber. 
<laughs> okay, I'm gonna move away uh, yeah. from that. You topic. brought us here, uh, Munch. You brought us here. <laughs> I know I did. I know I did. I regret everything. Let's talk about regional yep. strength then. How are you feeling about LEC versus LPL versus LCK? Like, are, are there significant differences between the region in your mind? I, I think right now, in this specific point of time, I think like every region has some issue with the teams where, like, internally they have, they're just, I'm not sure what's the correct word to use, but they're just like combusting internally or something. Like, it's just not going well. Like, you could see from FPX, like, benching Nagari or EDG changing junglers, changing coach, it just doesn't make sense. Like, they, are, they were doing well, but suddenly they had to make some huge changes, right? And I think even in Korea, it's the same thing where Damwon was changing roles around. And LEC, I mean, for LEC, I think it has been the most like stable out of the regions, but hmm. I don't think the level of play is as high as LPL or what I think LPL can do because like the way I judge the level of the region is by watching their scrims, and then the, the things or the we could say like the things or the macro which teams display in scrims co in LPL compared to LEC is still a lot better, and I feel like we have or at least LEC has a lot to catch up because just like what I tweeted right like the the thing is there's like the game is always changing, there are like what 156 champions. And many different like combinations, right? So every time you scream, there could be a new combination. Maybe the champion is playing a different role, and you need to remember what are the specific like micro details which the champion can do. And by playing more games, you will have more repetitions, or you have more examples of what like these picks or these comps can do. And that's why I also think like practicing more is like beneficial for the Asian teams. So can you give me um, any specifics on like what the what are the things that LEC does worse than than the Eastern regions? I think I think for the I'm not sure about LCK because I don't watch it that much, but every time I watch LCK, it's been a fiesta. <laughs> but I think laning, I think laning specifically bot lane. I think bot lane laning is there's a huge difference, and then. And then that is mainly how the team plays and how, like for example, how top lane influences bot lane or how support influences top lane, stuff like that. These are things which are severely lacking in Western regions. And then like, how do you set up for objectives ahead of time, you know? Because I, I know in LPL, best teams, they, they set up objectives five minutes ahead of time. So like the, the Drake is, the Drake's respawn timer is like five minutes, right? So when they're doing Drake or they or if they are choosing to trade, they are already setting up for the next Drake. But it doesn't exist here. Like over here or over here in LEC is maybe one minute before, maybe one and a half minutes before. And that is not enough time for you to like manipulate your waves to your favorable favorable state. I guess that also kind of leads me to maybe tangenting this a little bit, but not like still on the same path is uh, besides besides G2, right? Is there any team in LEC that, you know, maybe gives you like glimpses of hope or you see potential that, hey, you know, maybe this team has like some small things they could tweak and they can 
you know, maybe not win worlds or anything along those lines, but they can compete with LPL or LCK teams in best of fives. Like, heck, like we saw Fnatic do right in 2020 worlds, taking TS to five games. I think I think Fnatic can. I think Fnatic is the most is other team is other team which I think is probably has the best chance against international competition. Fnatic is the team I've most seen people compare to LPL teams. I don't watch that much LEC, so I don't know, but that's been the team everyone tells me. If, if there's an LEC team we can put in the LPL, it would be Fnatic. They're so aggressive. They're, they're they're so versatile. They're so crazy. So kind of kind of interesting to hear that they're the, the team that stands out to you, other than, you know. I think they stand out in terms of macro, like how they play the mid game. I think it's, it's pretty good. But I think, like, the... The idea that they are aggressive or they are like they play super aggressive, I think it's overstated. It's mainly just because the players, I like for example Adam is extremely aggressive, but it's also because the top leaders in LEC many of them are pretty bad, so he can always do the same thing where he just push three waves, run mid and gank mid. It happens almost every game against bad top leaders, but when he plays against top leaders who are decent, he can't even roam because they know how to play the lane, you know. So it's like the, the the micro interactions in laning that, that then balloon into bigger yeah. advances. Because I mean, I mean, if 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 he can do that in a matchup where he's not supposed to, then there's a huge advantage, and he can just randomly run mid, kill the enemy mid later when they're not expecting it. But then again, they have been doing it for every game, and teams still like fall for it. So I'm not sure what they're doing as well. <laughs> Yeah, that it, it it's sort of it's that that old saying, right? Fool me once, shame on me. Oh no, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame yeah, on me. Yeah, just like right? fool me ten like, times. You've before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you maybe should have seen that one coming. Um, Lyric, any other questions you want to ask on LEC before we move on? Because I think we should talk top of LPL. You know, uh, again, as you know, there's LPL every day. <laughs> not, not, not exactly a lot of time to watch the LEC, so I'm happy to move back to the LPL. Okay. So, with that said, then, let's take a look at the top four. So, you already mentioned FPX. You already mentioned RNG. Um, I want to ask a preliminary question before we dig into specifically who the top four are. What are your criteria nelson or when you're trying to rank the top teams on trying to decide who you think is going to make it to worlds like what how do you differentiate between some of the top teams when they are st so different stylistically i think it's like like firstly the macro i i don't think they are like super different stylistically i think it's mainly more about early game but i think it's just like good good carry players like at least in, in our mind in or in my mind when i was back in alpha you need like two or even like three carries in each team right so it can be any role except support of course but it could be like your mid your top your jungle your ad and of course like to have i would say decent macro even though some some teams i think they don't have very good macro but they can manage to just out team fight you just because they have better players i think ts comes yep. to mind <laughs> top esports yeah top esports <laughs> They're the new IG, basically. Yeah. No, I, I mean, they're the new IG since IG is 13th right now. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so so let's let's talk top four then. So let let me know what your top four is, but also if you could give me some some clarification on what it is about each of these teams that that puts them above the crowd for you. 
I think, I mean, of course, like FPX, I think FPX RNG. I hope EDG gets, gets their stuff together again. And then they are my top four. And the next team, I guess it's, it's a flip between Rare Adam and Tom Esports. You don't think Sooning? You don't think Sooning makes it? I don't think Sooning because I have many questions about their support, about their support play. I just find it. Yeah, I've heard other people say that. I just find it so interesting that your flip is between TS and RA. Not not because I don't like agree with that flip, but it's just so weird hearing it. Right? That that TS or RA, two teams that are like so absolutely widely different in like how how they look when they play the game right i mean ts are exactly what you just said it looks like they completely rely on hands and then hope hands carries them across the finish line to where ra like i don't feel like they have bad players by by any means fofo especially right fofo is, is super good fofo has been a saint ever since he's been the lpl it definitely top top four top five mid laner for sure but all the other guys are like all right and they're just kind of okay i don't feel like their macro is exceptional like their setups aren't they aren't like fpx or like edg at the start of the split level they aren't like super good in in terms of like their timings on pushing outside lanes they're just kind of all right at everything and then they rely on fofo to carry them so (laughs) like in theory on paper ra doesn't sound like they have a chance against top esports but honestly they they might be like they might be favorites in that flip because i i think ra they have very good drafts. I think first, firstly they have like, I I think probably top two mid laner this split or maybe top three. Mm-hmm. I think they have very good drafts. If they can find a champion for Layen, he is also one of the best junglers. <laughs> if they can find it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I I love the way they draft, especially for bot lane, because Ivan just plays everything, unlike some of the yeah. AD carries in 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 China. I think Ivan plays every single AD carry. I even remember, like, in the past, he was the first one who was playing, like, some Kogma Lulu in 2019 in scrims. And if, yeah, the only question mark for me is, yeah, the top laner. I think it's fair. I, I, I also find it interesting on, the, on your draft point that they're the only team that almost any time I'm casting them, it feels like they... They come out not only with, like, just a holistic draft that, like, makes sense in terms of how they want to play, but they almost always have, like, more winning lanes than the enemy team. Like, they always they always have two or all of their lanes have winning matchups, which is really crazy. Also, why they their win rate on red side is super high. If they do have those counter picks, RA, like, does such a good job of making use of them. So, yeah, I find RA really interesting. I, I do think Cube is decent enough. I'll be honest. Like, even when you look at top esports, like, Ching Tian is... Yeah, it's, I, I, yeah, right. It's it kind of it just hurts thinking about three six nine not playing in LPL when when Ching Tian's on the roster. Though there must be things behind the scenes. Ching Tian for a rookie, I think has been has been fine. First split in the LPL. Steam fighting is really good, but point is, it's like I mean, even Nuggery, who I still think Nuggery's super good. It's like really weird when people go so far the other way, but even Nuggery gets solo killed like every single game, if not two or three times, right? So. I don't know. It's kind of impressive. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> actually, it's... every single game is too much for Nuggery. But I mean, for yeah. Cube, <laughs> when I was watching him last split against the Shy in playoffs, yeah, he was dying oh every single game. Oh my god! Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was horrible. I actually kind of erased the RA versus IG series that I'm on, even though I was, I was, I think the sole person on the team who predicted it right that RA would win. But yeah, yeah, 
Cuba, Cuba's not it. Cuba's not it. But okay, but, so, oh, go on. Yeah, but I just think like Fofo should be able to carry this team at least to like top five. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. So you had FPX, RNG, EDG, and then a flip between RA and, and top esports. So I think that sounds pretty reasonable, right? That that, that sounds like I, I guess where everyone would probably have it right now. That, that I think that is the most common like list right now. Uh, unless and I think most people are uh, on. <laughs> Much yeah, I mean, I, I'm just heartbroken right now because both Sooning and WE, uh, there's like an outside argument you can make, but realistically. No more, no WE Munchables. That's how I feel. Just bring back Teachima. That's all I'm saying. Bring back Teachima. They need a shot caller. My man's there. He's waiting in the wings. He's co-streaming every day. Like, I would, I'm all about that. What, what do you reckon, Nelson? Is Teachima the answer? Maybe he can fix WE. No. <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face. Oh, God, I think I, I think what W needs is Fofo. <laughs> but the it, thing it's is, not happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah just well, give him one of the best middle well, in the LPL. Uh, well, okay, yeah, hey, 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 but let's let's be fair. We did that technically. We did that. We gave them one of the best performing <laughs> mid laners in LPL, Mall, and then Mall and came on the roster. <laughs> and yeah, the, it, it it wasn't working, and they benched him immediately. So it's like, well, I don't know, yeah. like. You know that I also just moles becoming the. I was gonna say that that needs to be an episode. I go on a rant every episode about this. It's so depressing, man. Why is mole not playing in LPL? How how does this happen? How does this happen, guys? How 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 are there people like Forge right. playing mean, in LPL like, and Mole's not happens. playing in LPL? I'll tell you how this happens. Did you see the games that he played on set? That's how this happens. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> he walked onto the stage oh. and he, he was, he was just sending a, a message to the coach. <laughs> he he gave Usain Bolt uh, a run for his money, honestly, in a couple of those games. The the speed at which he was. I sprinting. think he was like zero ten uh, or something, if I remember correctly. The one you're referencing. Something yeah, like that. I was watching it this. Well. Yeah, it was. It, it was like comparable to the the Ale Atrox moment, but there was this. I can't remember who it was against. Who Ale last year when he was called Natural has this moment. He's on DMO. It's been a tragic split. I forget their opponent, but the game is just completely done so and he's so unbelievably tilted he literally just walks into five players of the enemy team and tries to 1v5 them and just dies on the spot and it was like maybe my, that is the best that is maybe the, best the most moment. clear tilt moment i've ever seen in, in that i've actually commented yeah that one that one was great right I, I if i remember correctly even tp'd in he tp'd in right after his whole team died and just <laughs> ran straight into five people it was glorious but you know, hey, he's he's winning some games. He picked up a W today. That's what matters. Really? Oh, I thought it was Shank. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> true. Could be. Oh dear. Man, be. I just I just want okay. Mole back in the um, That those are my final words because I feel like once you're gonna probably end it soon. Bring Mole back somewhere, dude. To victory five. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh. I think things are. I was sort of wrapping up. I do just want to hit on on one last topic uh, before we close things out for the day. Um, Nelson, are there any teams at the very bottom of the standings right now that are still in running for playoffs? So we're talking IG, LGD, OMG. Because um, OMG still tied in wins all the way up to sixth. Um, are there any... Which out of these bottoms, bottom teams do you think are not going to make it to playoffs? Which ones are going to slide in at the end, do you reckon? Actually, by looking at it, I think it's kind of fixed. 
I, I don't think anyone from like 11th, 12th, 13th can make it into top 10. Even though it, it might be possible, right, for OMG, but I just don't, I just don't trust the roster. What about LGD with, with Shadow? I, I, I think if, if there's a, there a team which can go in, it's LGD. I think LGD should have won today. <laughs> they just they just turned their brain off at the wrong time, but they should have won. <laughs> and maybe the team which they can take out, I guess, is like BLG because I'm still like not impressed with BLG. I think they have they're just very underwhelming. I think the I think the problem with the teams that are out of top ten right now is just schedule. So OMG, I think actually have the easiest chance, even ignoring the like the fact that they have more wins than the other two, just from the fact that they play JDG. So like theoretically, right, if they beat JDG, it's mm. it it would be so hard for OMG not to make it with the fact that both JDG and OMG have like one easy team left and one hard team other than that match. To where like LGD, yeah. you. Well, LGT's games are pretty true, easy, but right? you B five. You only have two series left, which will get you to eight. True. So you would then only really be able to tie what I feel like where most of these teams are going to end up because I feel like all of them will hit eight, mm -hmm. and then you are fighting for them in like game differential where you are at a significant disadvantage. So, you know what I want? I just want IG to go on the miracle run. IG have five series <laughs> left, guys. IG have five series. They can finish at nine wins. <laughs> just, just do it. Just please. <laughs> Think no it's a nine. No I don't think that it's, it's possible. But rookie. I mean, rookie does exist. Uh, I'll give you that. that. That's all I've got. But they still have to face top esports. They still have to face RA. Hey, like, top esports. It really would be a miracle. World are runner. quite shaky. They almost lost and to hey, Rogue Warriors. Hang on yeah, a second. Rogue Warriors you know, is I one of the realized. best. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> uh, true. True. So here, actually, on the note of Rogue Warriors, that's the perfect segue for me to talk about the IG. If it were to be a miracle run, their final opponent is TT. Guess who destroyed the Rogue Warriors hype train? It was TT. It was. They may be out of it the playoffs running, but they could absolutely annihilate yet another hype train. They're, they're in prime position to do so. Uh, that Wait, Munchables. Before before you end this episode, I have one extremely non-important question for Nelson. Okay, Nelson, you put Xiaopong <laughs> okay. in NA and E. Where does he rank among junglers? Okay, I mean NA probably number one for okay. you. I guess top top five. Respectable numbers. We like it. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Let's I mean, go, Xiaofeng. Top in, top yeah, in. Yeah, for any, it's not hard. Just don't diet for scrap. <laughs> okay. And on that <laughs> note, I think it's about time we wrap things up. Thank you very much, Nelson, for joining us. It has been an absolute yeah, pleasure thanks, having thanks you for having me and here. Good luck well. with the rest of. Yeah, good luck with the rest of LEC. I hope we get to see you at the World Championship. I'm, I'm sure you guys are. I mean, I'm not super closely keeping up with LEC, but I'm sure G2 are, are one of the shoo-ins to, to make it to the World Championship. So good luck um, with with the rest of your year. And Lyric as well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, but with that, we're going to round out the episode. So everyone at home, thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you guys next week. But until then, we'll see you in Champions League.